Hello, Joel here. I've got a new book out. It's called Be Funny or Die. How comedy works and why it matters. And it's about how comedy works and why it matters. Why human beings tell jokes and then what that tells us about being human beings. So if you're a human being and you enjoy laughing and then want to know what the hell's going on with that, it's probably a pretty good book to read. It's called Be Funny or Die. It's in shops. You can buy it. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to Rule of Three, a podcast about comedy. I'm Joel Morris. I'm Jason Hazley. And as usual, we're joined by someone who makes comedy to talk about something funny that they love. By taking it apart, maybe we'll learn something about how comedy works, or we'll just quote bits from it and giggle until we're finished. Both approaches are valid. Our special guest today is Ashlyn B. Hello. Hello. Hello, I love that phrase, giggle until you finish. It's quite how I like to make love. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you worry about me, love. I'll just giggle until you finish. (laughs) Um, Yes, welcome to me. Thank you for having me, English Great. Oh, thanks for coming in. Thank you very, very, very Mm -hmm. much. We were just talking about um, being on stupid deadlines because we're all sort of being busy and things and saying that there's a version of me that I think exists Mm. who is someone who's who's got this, who's not scrambling about desperately. Obviously, you come into these podcasts and you sit down and say, Mm. how are you doing? You talk about work and things. And I said, just in the middle of about 14 cascading domino deadlines. And this morning I woke up and went, oh, why can't I be that guy? The guy who isn't just slamming every idea I've got onto a piece of paper as quickly as possible and hoping to get away with it. But that's your process. That is your process that you've always done. And it's about getting to the point where you accept that that's your process. I I was just, I was almost saying to you earlier on, I read this book about, because I think we all dream of, especially as a creative, of being uh, the Roald Dahl who goes into his shed and works from nine to six, has a break for coffee and then goes and has his dinner and and has a life after that in the evenings. That's what a professional adult looks like because that's what we know a real job looks like. And we want to make this a real job because we're getting paid. So the idea that we have notebooks that are waterproof stuck in our shower in case we get an idea in the shower. (laughs) And then there's like, you get a back of a receipt and you're like, that's where I'll write my opus on the back of this receipt with a pencil that will not be waterproof. And then there's all the, and we're like that, but that is, 
a creative process. You get ideas from little places and this, the reason it drives us all mentally unwell is because there's no 6pm to no. a creative brain. There's no time when you switch off. I often have my greatest ideas just before I go to bed and sometimes I write them down and sometimes I don't and then I'll wake up the next morning going well thank god I wrote that down and yeah. they'll say like dog no really and I'm like <laughs> no what useless. did it mean but in in this book I was reading about how like that our idea is that that's the serious business person who deserves to be paid and the other version is cheating or getting away with it and they were like we have entered into a society that doesn't uh, applaud winging it because we call it winging it that doesn't <laughs> applaud thinking on your feet as a skill that you're yeah. like oh that's cheating or that's, that's like bullshit. what liars do that's what bullshitters mm. do they think on their feet and get away with something rather than that being something like in The Apprentice they always applaud the people who can think on their feet Alan Sugar never fires well yeah. you, f- you thought on your feet and it was great and that's what I need in a business and that's kind of what you don't get to if you could maybe relax into that a little bit like for me I've, I'm writing my TV show at the moment and I put all of these four days a week, uh, uh, six hours a day to write the show. And my friend Sarah Pascoe, a great comedian, was like, why don't you just say, try and do half an hour to an hour a day and limit how much you're actually going to do and that be the homeworky bit. And then the rest of the time, walk around, go and see friends. Yeah. If you come up with an idea or a line that'll be funny, jot it down in your notepad. But don't like take that pressure off as if you're going to suddenly become a new type person. Like, what age are you at this stage, Joel? You're one of the most successful yeah. comedy writers in the UK. It, it happen- it's not going to happen. It happened that I realised that not, I realized you're not going to sit down a work. single job I'd done from, from my, my, my exams at school to now mm-hmm. that I hadn't done in a scramble at the last minute without proper preparation. And I'd always got away with it and it's fine. I did it at the weekend. I got But again, rid- that language, I, you got away with it. Yeah. You're doing more than getting no, away with it's it. it's doing well. You've it's written fine. on the biggest TV it's shows where my in brain Britain and well. your child is not hungry. Yeah, I, I did this at the weekend. We went away. We went away at the weekend my, my wife insisted and had booked that we go away at the weekend with a hammering deadline on mm-hmm. and and I, I got her to agree before we went away I said look we've got this hammering deadline if I have to sit down for two hours and write mm-hmm. is it okay if I do that if I just, I'll take my laptop to the back room and keep out of mm-hmm. the way and you can we're on a beautiful peninsula somewhere with a beautiful horizon and seabirds and things I said if I have to go away and write that'll be my role doll I'll go away and write yeah. I went and did it I sat and I wrote dog shit I wrote yeah. nothing and I said all it meant is that for two hours I'd not been with my family it was awful yeah. and she said just go out for a walk and I yeah. went out for a walk and by within 10 minutes I'd solved every single problem mm-hmm. that I couldn't solve in my fake Roald Dahl yeah. suit because my brain doesn't work that way and I was refusing to accept that actually what I needed to do was to stop panicking and just mm. bullshit and bullshit I, is what I get paid um, for I read another article if you can imagine I'm a white woman who reads articles and watches <laughs> documentaries imagine <laughs> so if you need any information I'm pretty much a trained doctor now because of my Netflix algorithms um, I uh, was reading this thing about like why we're afraid particularly women but I, I think this falls into a lot of creators as well to back ourselves or back our creative process and why we procrastinate a lot of the time is because there's a fear of uh, especially I would count both of you two as very humble people um, given all that you've achieved I'm the best and oh my god you're so the best only to second to me and um, there's something about Imagine if you did it. Imagine you succeeded. And that fear of um, that falls into the same place as knowing success kind of might fall into the same place as discomfort or something not nice and unknown. And that's scary. And the body picks up on that as 
a fear or something to avoid. It's new. It's an unfamiliar It's new feeling. and unfamiliar and that's exactly the thing the body always avoids. It avoids it with exercise when we're trying to stretch ourselves yeah. or run farther or or when we're in a relationship and we're like, oh, this is new. I don't know what's going to happen or here. Rats, so maybe I'll back out. rats sniff around a bin and they won't Do you know, And you should befriend eaten. those rats is the point of this article. <laughs> they Befriend you. the rats. <laughs> they could be the only thing that keeps you safe in the apocalypse, ladies and gentlemen. Um, <laughs> befriend the rats. They've got the email addresses of the cockroaches. Yeah. <laughs> and the and cockroaches. The fucking jellyfish. I started reading They're a book like um, called Stung about jellyfish, which basically explained that jellyfish are mm-hmm. like super cockroaches. Yeah. They are they are immune to everything. They're immune to radioactivity. But not criticism. Electricity. <laughs> not criticism, they of course. They very thin skins. No, but they, they, I, got about, I got about 100 pages into this book and I had to put it down because it was so frightening. Because <laughs> they've, got, they've got no brain but 400 stomachs or something. They're just the most terrifying creatures. Sorry to go off no, on a jellyfish not, tangent. No, it's not a tangent, though, because it's some point I know I'll be watching a Charlie Brooker thing or something that you guys write on and there'll be a jellyfish bit in it and that's why you have to allow all those moments where you yeah. just read 100 pages of a jellyfish book because at some point it'll come in well on it, a work point do you do that do you take time off and just fill the tanks just uh, read walk uh, absorb stuff uh, walking and stuff I do I'm very bad at taking holidays oh just to finish up my point though before no, about procrastination yeah. and the fear of the unknown is that sometimes we self-sabotage by like writing nothing or walking around or or whatever it is because we're afraid that what if we sat down and did it oh god we might succeed yeah. oh god. so mm. part of it is our creative process but then the other part is actually afraid that we'd be the best we do our best work and either a get rejected and go no oh, it's still not good enough yeah. or b that we would actually succeed and it would do really well Carrie Ed Lloyd says something brilliant about that why she likes improv rather than mm-hmm. writing she said that because she's making up on the, on the hoof yeah. she goes well how good do you expect it to be and I think there's I've never even thought about this something in doing something in a hurry in a rush yeah. at the last minute takes you the go, pressure off you you go weirdly okay well I'll, that, it doesn't have to be the best thing all yeah. it has to be is a thing and today we're, we're at the moment both of us are in a, in, a, in a writing jag where as long as we fill the pages this job will not fail I have that about certain panel shows and live TV I get less stressed <laughs> about live TV even though technically one slip of the tongue and I could ruin everything um, because I'm like oh well it's live t- it, it can it's just what what are we going to do if it goes badly and the same with shows like QI where it's all improv I just go on feeling completely yeah. calm because I'm like we have no idea what's going to what happen here with other panel shows where you know we know in advance roughly the news roughly the topics that are going to come up and you have to work on your jokes and get your gags in but you're not really sure if someone else is going to have the same angle on you. Has someone already tweeted this? Blah, 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 blah. Pressure's up. Pressure's up. When does this go out? Will the news have changed by then? What will Trump have done by then? Will Brexit have changed? No, is the answer <laughs> to that. Oh, never. Um, that that puts more pressure on because, oh, you had the time to make this perfect and it hasn't, it won't be, you it, thought it can't, that was what is good perfect? Enough. Yeah. yeah, you thought that was good enough. And then all and then all the anomalies on the night, are the audience in good form? Uh, are you in good form with the person who's beside you? Or is someone going to jump over you and, you know, shout over you before you get to the end of your punchline? A lot of the time, yes. Um, <laughs> that in those situations, you're like, you put more pressure on yourself even though it's kind of the exact same situation that really to sell anything like garlic bread, all you have to do is really believe you're funny. Yeah. And it's and the difference between saying something when you believe you're funny and the pressure's off and you can feel like a kid again in this job is the different that's where the magic is and that makes that, the that, difference but you can't clicking the button to say that you're now doing this the, the, yeah. the, the taxi meter's running someone's paying you for this yeah. I remember finding that the first thing that I found frightening 
turning from being someone who'd done stuff for sort of school magazines and mm-hmm. things and someone who's being paid was the absolute rabbit in headlights freezing of the first day turning up before I think I did some work before we worked together I turned up on my own for some sessions mm-hmm. and sat down and went oh my god they're going to pay me for this You've seen some sample yes. work and you're paying me for this. And now I've got to be not only as good as I think I am, but as yeah. good as you hope I am. And you just freeze. You yeah. totally freeze. Because actually the expectation is that this has also got to be good. And you forget that actually the reason you're here is because you're you're funny or One you're time good at this. and this is gonna this is this is a very showbiz story. Uh, one time I was booked for this panel show and I was filming a job in Bristol. And I uh, was only booked the night before and they were like, we sorry, we really needed to fill in. Is there any way you'll do it? The fee was really good. And I was like, oh, God, but I'll be wrecked by the time I got down there. And also... Um, you mean tired rather than drunk? Uh, tired rather than drunk. Yeah, I was actually genuinely tired. Actually, in fairness <laughs> to me, I was actually tired. Um, but I was really tired. That we'd been filming. Oh, yeah, the night before we'd started filming kind of from six o'clock and I decided to go uh, to Leicester to do a preview of my Edinburgh show, then come back that night to make sure I was on set on the Friday at 6am. A really clever Whoa. idea for all of my head and my um, mental health. And then that night on the way back in the train, they sent me through what we'd be talking about. And it was all sport and I had no idea about sport but they also said that they were like look don't worry Ashling to make sure you make it in time we'll send a, ho- a helicopter for you to get you from Bristol down what? to Elstree Studios on the wow. Friday Wow! and again I wasn't used to like in any way being I don't feel like a celebrity or someone who would be of that much value and that's my own self esteem issues so I was like I need to be beyond fantastic yeah. despite all the things that normally get in the way get in the way no matter what way you get there but for me for someone to send a helicopter for me like I'm <laughs> I'm not going to get there and go, I've cured it. Cancer, that is. I was worth it. And so I landed in. I um, was knackered because I'd had two days of nonstop. I put so much pressure on myself. Uh, I I knew roughly the questions that were going to be asked to me. And there was another person on the show with a similar name to me. And the hosts asked my questions and I was so tired and just didn't feel funny anymore. I felt sadness. Um, and again, when you're on a panel show and you're a girl, they take an hour doing your makeup instead of five minutes to give you a dust and a wash. Oh and God. so I, I, I rather than being having being able to work on my jokes and everyone else was getting together and chatting and creating banter. Oh I was inside having someone do my mascara. But like, you don't want to go and tell you without your mascara on. But I was like, oh God, I just want to, can you hurry this up? And then that's insulting to the makeup artist if you go hurry it up and just do the best you know you can because they're showing their work because they're they're doing their their work and they want to be safe and have you know pride in their work Um, and uh, I was the only girl on the show as well so she was really giving it socks and she's like do you want fake fake eyelashes I was like no time and then I went on the show and just um, again the host asked my questions to another person uh, who wasn't a comedian so they didn't care and I was like oh my god if he comes to me with anything I I have no solid jokes I haven't thought it through I have no jokes I have no jokes and came to me I did the lowest common denominator like vag related jokes that I wasn't (laughs) proud of at all and I was like oh god and I, and I was like, they've paid for a helicopter to get me here. And everyone <laughs> below knew. below the belt material. Just, honestly, like I, it was the first, I'd never been in a helicopter. I saw England through the, my glass-footed <laughs> helicopter window. It's fucking weird, isn't it? Looking through those so foot windows weird. in a the helicopter. foot windows, I, I just couldn't. And I felt so... Oh, it's helicopter club over there. Do you People remember? People have been the, in helicopters. Yeah, yeah. Have you not been in a helicopter? Uh, been, no, no babe, you should do it. You should really do uh, I'll it. I'll go now. Do you remember back years ago, there was that clip that went viral? 
of the man who'd come in for a random meeting and they just put him on BBC News to talk about oh, Brexit. Yeah, okay. Guy Gomer, yeah. Yes. And he just winged it. And I felt as I was landing into this helicopter and everyone knew, like Noel Fielding knew it, I'd kept coming in a helicopter. Everyone knew I'd come in a helicopter. <laughs> so I must be bloody worth it. And I just tanked and died. <laughs> on the show I couldn't get, it was just I, I didn't feel funny in my gut at all and it, like it was fine it edited fine but panel shows actually last for three or four hours not just like the 25 the minutes you see they're big records and even though I knew you it edited fine for I was like for, to not be funny for four hours after a very long day and to know that you came in a helicopter and and I was still like one of the least famous people on the show like I was so not worth a helicopter in my head I, I put so much pressure on myself in that situation rather than going ha ha enjoy the helicopter and when you get there what'll be will be what we're talking about today and what you brought in I think is a very very good example of something where two untried writers Mm -hmm. and two untried performers Mm -hmm. had a light shone on them and said okay do the best you can do just be as funny as you were down the pub Mm -hmm. and seemed effortlessly to be able to produce one of the funniest sitcoms Mm. that's ever been made and no one knew what they were doing and everyone should have felt that pressure but you get the feeling watching this program that no one's feeling any pressure at all. Tell Father Ted bro- is pure silliness. Father Ted, but it's 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 it says a lot actually, but only because those are in the background. Silliness is the name of the game. Yes. Got silly, one aim, how yeah. silly can you be? certain things about it had a massive effect on me a a lot of people say in Ireland it was a show about funny priests in the UK it's a show about funny Irish people Uh, because the intricacies of the joke are they're they're deeper when you're actually in Ireland and you grow up in a country that is I have a joke in my stand-up at the moment where like Ireland is 86% Catholic and the other 14% are ghosts. Like there's nothing else in, uh, there's nothing else in Ireland. And so that is every house, every place. And for people maybe in Britain watching it, it's every Irish person they've ever met are quite like that. Um, I remember the first time I saw Father Ted. So growing up, we only had two stations and we didn't have Channel 4. They were both just Mulligan and O'Hare on a loop. Uh, yeah, Mulligan and O'Hare on a loop. And um, <laughs> then the Angelus, which it genuinely is on at 6pm still to this day. Really? Every single day this at 6pm. This, this is prayers, Modern Ireland, yeah. A, a minute of silence where they go bong, bong, bong for a minute. <laughs> and the whole point is that we all stop and go, oh, Jesus. I went around the Ring of Kerry when I was in my mm-hmm. 20s and with my brothers and we watched Irish television. We didn't realise quite how much Irish television is, dif- is different than, than, yeah. than what yeah, you yeah, think yeah, was yeah. British it's television. It's very, very different. And mm. we, we watched it and it was constantly people who appeared to be Vic and Bob dressed as folk singers and yeah. religious programmes. And on the last day we saw an advert on one of the stations for the best of Supertramp. <laughs> and all of us, it was like we'd seen God. We went, oh, 
there's a world outside and we went back and I remember coming back and buying the best of Supertramp yeah. listening to it outside Ireland and it was just boring middle of the road music but yeah. in Ireland it was like punk oh yeah it lost our bloody minds um, also there's a sort of quality to Ireland because there is only five million people that we move as one and when everyone's brought up with the same religion and the same cultural reference like now everyone's got loads of podcasts and people watch things and like you can yeah. watch uh, your iPad with your mom and dad blah 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 God, but it changed only, everything yeah. yeah because there's, there was only two stations so under a certain age everyone has the exact same cultural memories of the moment we heard on the news that X, Y and Z had whether uh, right. we all know about the we know the exact clips of the Birmingham 6 being released at one, like there's a certain point up until the last 10 years or maybe 20 years where you'd one or two TVs in, in a house um, the the certain things are on at certain times if you missed it you couldn't record it um, and Ireland has a quality about it which is a small town rather than a country mm. um, so you're never going to be allowed suddenly make something crazy so you would have well what's not crazy it's like Foster and Alan singing like yeah. her hair they shone like diamonds mm. you know that will well that won't offend anyone but everyone at the same it's time very good vibrato well thank done. you very much yeah I'm brought up to naturally sing very sadly at yeah. the drop of a hat <laughs> um, but I remember I went my mother was bringing a school tour that she was uh, she was like a substitute teacher and she was taking a school tour to Paris uh, in France and my aunt came with her to mind myself and my sister because we had no one at home to look after us so we went to Paris, France and we stayed with um, this really posh woman French woman who my mother knew uh, from being a pen pal when they were teenagers. So these really posh uh, French people uh, mm. came over to like basically slum it with Irish people on <coughs> farms when they were young and mommy kind of kept their uh, addresses and so we stayed in Paris with them and they had a really posh, like they, so here's how posh they were. They had a real Monet in their house. What? And what? they lived uh, near the Arc de Triomphe in Paris. <laughs> yeah, Shit. they were proper like contesses or something like that. Uh, we had no idea. I remember one time this woman gave me olive bread and I thought it was chocolate and I spat it in her face and like this is a woman who was in line to the French throne at one point I was like this is bullshit I'm 11 and I hate this and we didn't understand status um, and also there was this I always remember mommy was like no my aunt said to me you know that's a Louis the Cator's chair in there and we we didn't know what that meant and I remember I probably shouldn't say this I, I doubt that the contest li- listens to podcasts no offence lads I remember sitting on the chair in a cracking and um, whoa yeah that's the first time I've remembered that thing and I'm really sorry uh, je suis désolé it's now two Louis yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a stool and some sticks from Louis XIV but I remember she had all the stations so she had you oh, know right. that like a hundred stations or something like that because they were so posh and I kind of crept up stairs while they were all asleep and this thing came How on. old were you? I'd say I was like 11 or 12 because I was still in primary right. school I know because we weren't allowed to stay with friends so we had to go with yes, mommy so while she, it was like the Easter yeah. holiday something like that and it must have been now I know it would have been Channel 4 that we struck into but I'd never seen Channel 4 before and these Irish accents came on. So at first I was like, Irish people on TV in France? Like, what the hell is this? Yeah. And it was the episode of like Bishop Casey getting the stone uh, put up his arse. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I couldn't believe that I in some way was on telly and not just me, but priests. So what are we doing today, Ted? Confessions and mass and things like that, I suppose. Yes, Stuart, <laughs> things like that. <laughs> it's great being a priest, isn't it, Ted? 
Like we were brought up, my aunt was a nun, but priests were the most important people in the town. All my education system up until the 18 was religious orders, as was most people in the country. And I couldn't believe people were making fun because it wasn't allowed on Irish TV stations for probably another five years. Again, until something became successful so in un- England. Not until the millennium, probably. Then. Yeah, so near enough. Yeah, isn't it? uh, yeah exactly. Yeah. So until, because I only remember it coming on to Irish TV when I was more of a teenager. And again, it was sort of banned for being sort of blasphemous. And I remember thinking, I just, I ran down to mommy's like, mommy, will you go upstairs? You come upstairs. She's like, go away, I'm tired. And I was like, you don't understand. They're making fun of priests on the telly. And, uh, and I, I think she thought I had a fever or something wow. like that. Because I just kind of ran downstairs from the telly near the money and was like, you, you don't understand. Priests are on telly and uh, <laughs> Ireland is in France and you don't understand. Um, I think so it must, just it must have chair. been like radically transgressive. It was, I you. couldn't believe, like, because also... I didn't know whether I was dreaming or the telly had magically <laughs> decided to be there for me. There was no one else in the room. It was like he was talking straight to you. Yeah, and it was making me laugh and it was like real jokes because the only... I hadn't really seen comedy before, but all I knew is I loved making people laugh and I did... Uh, I've since, since the word dot, I made my family laugh. I wrote all the school plays from the age of five. I like made plays in the room. So mm. this idea of all of a sudden there was a version of me. And then as I got older and watched it as a teenager, not only was I there, but the amount of female idiots in it was really important because you have Mrs. Doyle. I remember seeing Mrs. Doyle, um, Polly McGlynn, who's now a pal on like a chat show, like the, yeah. the Irish chat show. And I could not believe how well she looked. I couldn't believe that she was a beautiful woman probably at the time in her 40s. But I was like, oh, she's... I I didn't understand there was a mole in makeup. Like, in my head... She'd clown up. It was totally clowned up and stupid and physical and ugly. She's dressed like a python pepper pot. Absolutely. But she's doing it. There's no drag involved. It's not like, oh, wouldn't it be funnier if we knew this actor had a penis? This woman was... She was falling over and getting smacked in the head. You won't have a cup. Ah, no, thanks, Mrs. Doyle. Honestly, I won't have a cup. Are you sure now it's hot? <laughs> no, I'm not in the mood, thanks. <laughs> All right, so... I go on, would you not have a drop? No, thanks anyway, Just Mrs. Doyle. Cup. I'm fine. No, really. I'll tell you what, Father. I'll pour Seriously. a cup for you anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you if you want. No. And what do you say to a cup? Fake off, cup! <laughs> he loves his cup of tea. Fake off! And on a similar note, the two Johnny and Mary, who are mm. uh, oh, what I, this brilliant. sounds really dark, but technically that could be domestic abuse. But it's even domestic abuse where they're both kicking the shit out of each other. Fat smelly cow. <laughs> you have a face like a pair of tits. Well, at least that's one pair between us. <laughs> hello, Mary. Ah, hello, father. Hello, John. And it's so equality, like it's so he'll stab her and she'll stab him. Yeah, that it's so lovely. Like I love in comedy when a woman can get knocked out and come back with a punch and the man gets knocked out and you're both getting to be stupid and ugly and angry because if you're allowing magic for one character why don't you allow magic? Like one of my least favorite things is on a panel show that's happened to me recently. the host uh, sneered the first uh, introduced the first person and sneered them and then introduced the second another male comedian and sneered them and then came to me and rather than making a joke about me 
made a joke which was like and there's Ashling, but of course she's not as bad as and went back to the first male comedian oh my God. and I was like I mm. am a professional and I can handle it but you didn't need to go I understand where you're coming from to go easy on me but fucking go for me and let me come back at you I'm grand yeah. and I remembered that with Father Ted as well the women were smacked over the head with a frying pan or locked in a cupboard and she'll go back and stab her husband in the morning and we're never worried about her and we're never worried about him everyone's a clown because the two of them everyone's a clown and an idiot and I loved that and even like there was a Sinead O'Connor character who came it's in Claire and Grogan was, isn't it but yes yeah, she's and she got to be a cartoon she wasn't like a straight woman that Dougal just got to be around she got to be a piss take of the Sinead O'Connor coming in <laughs> yeah. to like the place and being like oh that's mad you do that and she got to be stupid as well and same with the nuns and Graham often talks about sometimes he finds it hard. I know Graham uh, well enough now. He, 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 I think now he thinks he finds it hard to write female characters, but he actually doesn't. Just write as many idiots as possible. In fact, what you're saying yeah. there is, is what we said at the beginning. He's, I think, knowing Graham, sometimes he puts pressure on himself mm. because he's aware that he's working... Like what we were talking about earlier with working, pressure. He he's working in a form where he knows that there's Seinfeld and there's these great examples mm. of it before. And I get the feeling talking to Graham about his work that he sometimes feels there's this pressure because he's a good writer. He's got this astonishing mm-hmm. legacy of work that he's trying to live up to that. The great thing, I watched the first couple of TEDs last night just to remind mm-hmm. myself of them. They're effortlessly free of a sense of anyone watching it. Yeah. You want to just let it's it go. It's also, I suppose, maybe if you write the idiots you know. So at the <laughs> moment, like as in if you know an old idiot cleaner who cleans a priest's house or if you know some stupid nuns, like we all know the nuns who are like, oh, father's here. <laughs> I'll never be as good as a man priest. No mm. way. Like I often think about that. I was like, no wonder we've all got this glass ceiling in Ireland as women because we look at these women who are fearful and awful and great, but also very scary. And everyone's like, oh, the nuns used to scare the shit out of us. And we're like, yeah, they're ballsy hard asses. They're like Sheryl Sandberg on coke. And yet then a priest comes in, they're like, oh, Father, I could never be a priest. No, not me. They're I know my of Christ. limits. They're not Christ. Brides of Christ, not Christ. And I'm like, they are beyond <laughs> Christ. They are like well above Christ. And so, but they're in their head. They're like, well, no, it'd be stupid for me to think I could do that. And like, why? Why? Why is it like at, at some point there's a limit that we're never questioning that we can only go so far, even with the nuns. <laughs> Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. moment for example I'm with my TV show that I'm writing there's this one character that is essential and I don't want to write him as what I would describe the boring girlfriend character which yeah. I often get uh, have to audition for and then jazz up with an accent or something <laughs> like that Is it called um, that on the IMDB entry boring girlfriend Yeah boring girlfriend character like oh I know no it's not like you're the straight man because she's a great just like funny in that next door kind of way but the thing about it is because you're so funny you'll bring a lot to it that's not there on the page well just fucking put something on the page please yeah. um, but like, no because you don't have to yeah. yeah but also it's like that sort of thing of going no because the thing is he's so crazy we need someone to bring him back down no honestly you can have two crazy people yeah. in a car- in a scene yeah. I'm not going to pull yeah. focus I, I, if, it'll if, be if, fine if there's something someone said this to me once ages ago we first started out said the worst role in comedy is oh Mr. Spencer yeah and the point is you should always check your script for it. is anyone doing that yeah because actually it works for a sketch it, you can just mm-hmm. about get away with it if there's a weird Marty Feldman guy who turns yeah, up in a shop and so is crazy boring. but if you're going to try and make that one of the lead characters in your sickle just double check someone isn't just going but you've put that on the oh my god uh, Paul yeah. Putner who told me this actually Paul Putner said yeah. always watch out because yeah. Paul used to get cast as oh Mr Spencer mm-hmm. and he ended up doing it as a joke sometimes in Little Britain sketches he'd go but you can't come in here and say that yeah no that all they're doing is explaining the premise of the sketch yeah and if you put that person in and a sitcom and you don't give them any personality die. traits no. and sometimes they're exterior like oh she's a bit overweight or um, <laughs> she, she you know she, she comes Three. in with maybe she has a colourful blouse on so she has a bit of a character and you're like don't give her a blouse give her a line the blouse should be able to be bland so that everything inside her is mad I think there might be in in Father I think there might be some context that we the English Mm -hmm. missed when we watched it that the Irish would have got because things like for instance tons of it I imagine because like just learning that you had prayers at six o'clock every night on TV Feel, that feels like you're talking about something that happened 400 years ago. Yeah, because it's funny in Father Ted that he can become a TV star as a priest. Because yeah. that's yeah. a joke if you're British. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's if you're a joke. English. But if you're Irish, you're like, I can imagine actually him getting through. Right. And I think, but I, I, I remember the, I don't remember when it came out, but I know, you know, the two Ronnie sketch of like, you're up here because I'm upper class. Yeah, we yeah, don't have a class yeah. system yeah. in Ireland. 
So that idea that you in Ireland, people just like become wealthy through some dodgy dealings or something like that. <laughs> but there's no uh, inherent class system. There is a system of like the difference between the townies and the countryside farmers a little bit. But that class system that you guys have here, that joke Again, you guys understand it's so like, oh, that's because my dad was working class and he would have been in the war and only gone yeah. like so far up or whatever. Or my granddad would have fought yeah. there and he would have been, only been able to be at a certain level in the army because obviously it was the posh boys from Eton. And the thing that I, we, we both watched a documentary called Small Far, far Away, away yeah. uh, Channel 4 documentary about Father Ted. And one of the things that um, uh, Ardlo Hanlon in there says that John and Mary are a joke about how people behave in front of priests yes. like their marriage is absolutely yeah. fine whereas because actually remember, in the background they're kneeing each other when, in the balls when Father and trying to kill da- each other. When Father Ted came out there was no legal divorce in Ireland oh, God. And, and still you have to be separated <laughs> for two years. When did, when, even did, then, when did condoms become legal in Ireland? Oh something 1990 like 1990 well, or something you could only get until without a prescription you have to be married until something like 1993 so Fuck. if you were gay, you couldn't get condoms. Homosexuality was only decriminalized in 1992, I think. I'm probably going to get corrections on this, but it'll only be mm. off by a year. Uh, suicide was only decriminalized in 1989. Divorce only came in in 1995. So those things, again, they do come with something else. It's not just like keeping up with the Joneses. Yeah. It's yeah. that they, you, there's no such thing as a failed marriage because you can't get out of it. Well, weirdly, one of the things well, that... One of you has to die. One of the things that works, I think, with Father Ted, and it... God, it works. Is that it feels like? I mean, I know that their their joke at the beginning. They thought they were taking the piss out of sitcom. They thought it would be a parody or a pastiche sitcom. And oddly, what Jeffrey Perkins, the producer, pointed out is actually it's a beautiful sitcom, and you will love the characters. They wanted to do. It was originally going to be a mock doc, mm. and they eventually were persuaded by Jeffrey Perkins to turn it into a sitcom with proper characters that you liked. Mm. One of the things that works brilliantly with with Father Ted and with most of Graham and Arthur stuff is it feels old fashioned yeah. or a celebration of old fashioned. And certainly, yeah. if you were English, of musical of playing to the. Uh, there's yeah. an audience and, there in a and wink. oddly I think if you're English you're looking at it and going oh they appear to have the values of the sitcoms I watched when I was growing up and it's because mm. Ireland was set 40 or 50 years earlier yes, that there was so something at stake with holding a yeah. marriage together with respect for the vicars come round mm. it has all those lovely values of Terry and June yes. which would be impossible to make in the UK in 1995 and, and it reads true in Ireland because religion has I mean look at the recent referendum on abortion yeah. that, that I couldn't believe when I went home the posters you saw were kind of apocalyptic and I don't think anyone in England could imagine some of the posters and Jesus is watching and all this kind of stuff. Father Ted deciding like these two young lads going over to England to Channel 4 and making a show that basically was a big up yours in certain ways to the Catholic Church was unbelievable. Like that, that was a bit like you over here are going, it's unbelievably funny. Over at a home we were like, this is unbelievable someone's managed to do this like they're taking so the piss out of us and also it's two sitcoms at once one, two is, sitcoms a, at one once. is a very traditional sort of if you're English it feels like a traditional mm-hmm. uh, pastiche of it's got that Terry and June oh no the boss mm-hmm. is coming over it's a yes. bishop whatever like that oh no we have, we've burned the dinner it's mm-hmm. got a lovely sort of traditional weight to it the, the stakes mm-hmm. are really good and high it feels nice in the 70s and 60s mm-hmm. whereas if you're Irish it feels like the young ones it feels like someone's yeah. just put a bomb yeah, under yeah, everything yeah, and it's that's exploded so true. it's yeah. two sitcoms Graham at once. said didn't he that he wanted the thing to have the insanity of the young ones, the intelligence of Blackadder, mm. and the, the the farce of Faulty Towers, and that now, if you do that as a as Graham was quite a young writer at this time, Arthur's a bit older than him, but if you do that, you're setting a fucking high bar for yourselves and 
boy did they get there yeah because boy, now it's a thing of there. they're they're the example now father yeah. ted is yep. now the yeah. example of i wanted to have this of this you can see people ordering off the peg if you want to do an audience sitcom that mm. isn't cozy in my family people say i want to be a bit father teddy a bit graham and r3 and what we're talking about here is something which is totally unique mm-hmm. that you couldn't do again because it is set in two times it's set in it's, it's a different show if you're Irish. But also the performers were so magical. So you had Dermot Morgan, who had been up to that point doing a priest character on The Late Late Show. Father Trendy. Yeah, they're, Father Trendy. They're, all, yeah. they're all mainly stand-ups, and aren't they, the cast? Yeah, well, he had been doing a comedy character and making it onto TV as Father Trendy. But again, he always, he knew the line to sort of dance around between what would what would make people feel calm and comfortable so it wasn't actually against the church it was this weird right. priest yeah. that line and then uh, I know Ardle had been doing bits of stand-up Pauline was an actress but all and fa- Father Frank Jack Kelly's Frank Kelly is a actor. proper respected <laughs> actor who uh, was a beautiful actor very verbose very mm. he was one of those people who'd go hello I he had that uh, Abbey Theatre in Ireland accent that wasn't quite British but wasn't quite <laughs> Irish uh, kind of perfect for explaining things you voice. can hear that in Jim Norton who's uh, Bishop Brennan as well yes exactly these people who have done Beckett and they've done Beckett uh, and uh, to the past Ireland uh, will never be free you know that sort of real <laughs> No microphones yet because we don't have the budget in the theatres. So we speak to the back. That sort of actors projection. Um, And they probably thought like this was their day playing game. And then it turns out that's the iconic role. And I was saying to Ardle, I remember like I'm very good friends with Ardle and I love him now. And again, the idea of being pals with these people who I don't quite know if I would be doing what I would be doing without Graham and Arthur and probably Deirdre O'Kane and Tommy Tiernan like they're all I saw mm. and again when there's a lot of debate about oh god you can't just put people on TV you know it, it's indicative like you can't just box people in or for quotas or everything seeing yourself on yes. TV in any way in some way represented just takes off that hat that it couldn't be me possibly the flip side of that is if you only see one person on television yeah. again and again and again mm-hmm. and again that sends a message that you can't be on TV you can't but and it to doesn't see matter what that, that, that I could be on TV in some way my voice would be funny yes um, and like say like 50 I had no idea until I went to university and got into a sketch group that in any way women couldn't be funny because I was the funniest yeah. person in my school I wrote all the like um, as I, I said recently I'm sure some people will write in and go no she wasn't <laughs> but yeah, you don't have the microphone in the podcast guys so where are you now um, uh, that I couldn't believe that anyone would think such stupidity I grew up in an all-female environment, all-female family, all-female school. And when I was watching telly, Father Ted was on, Pauline was on that falling over, looking stupid, putting tea all over yeah. herself. Um, you had your one smacking her face in with a frying <laughs> pan, all these mad nuns. Deirdre O'Kane was on telly beside Tommy Tiernan. And again, they, were, they felt like they were me. Yeah. And I felt like I was them. And they were my stories and my sentiments. And thanks, obviously the question you have to ask anyone especially for someone from ireland there was a sense that this could be seen as an irish people are stupid yeah like some people have some some people do have leveled at it wasn't it yeah but then i i i know the only person who's ever said that to me was a second generation irish person so they are english uh, with Irish parents so they live lived in England 
and grew up sensitive to those yeah sensitive and he's in his 40s so he grew up at a time where to have a semi-irish accent and irish parents was a sign that you were in some way a little bit stupid or undereducated or you know growing up in the 70s basically yeah. as a kid you buy those was Irish not joke when you books in Irish Smith joke and books an Irish person walking into the bar the IRA doing all the things they're doing like an anti-Irish sentiment in in this sort of world like I, I know I've talked about this with my friend Nish Kumar who's a, a British Indian stand-up and he's my age and he's like the difference in his generation of being in a, a very educated British Indian in his 30s rather than being an educated Indian uh, British Indian in his mid to late 40s is a very different sense of pride or ownership right. or and something like the Kumars, for example, had a huge effect on him. But he wasn't 18 when he saw that. Like me, he was 11. So you're at wow. the age where you're like, yeah, there's me. And you don't know all the shit that's about to get thrown at you yet. So you don't know all the ways people are going to talk about this you. This is or, like your thing of saying that, that, that can women be funny? You yeah, like if you get told too bloody right at the right age before all the shit yeah. can kick in, that stays with you like an inner steel force. And if you don't, your confidence gets knocked and you're constantly questioning yourself and you don't believe you deserve it or that you should be there. And that's that. That's where I'm excited for like young girls who are like five and ten now to see what they do when I'm in my 50s and 60s to see what they'll what they'll achieve. Um, so I think in the same way, uh, I, do, I don't know many Irish people who who believe in that about Father Ted, like first like me, that's Irish brilliant. people. I, I really don't. Um, but I'm interested that he was a second gen person who grew up with a slight scar of silly paddy and that was his mother's father or being a little bit embarrassed by the Irishness whereas now people my age if they have Irish parents they're like, like we're, I am the post river dance generation yeah. and we're not associated with the IRA we're associated yeah. with dancing and yeah. making loads of money <laughs> Will you join me? What? Me dancer? Oh, no, I'm not much of a dancer now. Oh, come on, Ted. Prayer isn't the only way to praise God, you know. And it keeps you fit as well. It probably helped as well that even though Father Ted is extremely stupid, it's got something in common with Monty Python in that it's clearly not made by stupid people. Mm. Everything about it is precise so clever. and clever. Yeah. And it yeah. all falls... Silliness got... made by clever people is brilliant. It's dangerous cleverness made by silly people is terrible yeah yeah that's that's the, <laughs> what, that, that's what's brilliant about it is you get the feeling these people are beautifully wasting their intelligence mm. in a joyously profligate yeah, way they're yeah. throwing it away they've got so much they, they could have been lawyers but instead yeah. they've done this that's what I always get when I watch Nish Kumar who's one of my best friends but also <laughs> one of my favourite stand-ups I'm like you're so clever you should be you know in the bar or something like that now you shouldn't be here and it's not I'm not dressing up as the headmaster and I'm thick Mm-hmm. I'm dressing up with the headmaster and I'm as clever as the headmaster. These are people dressing yeah. as priests, authority figures, and they're clever and faster mm-hmm. than those people. And the writers are cleverer and faster. They're journalists. I mean, Graham and Arthur were, were writers. They're wordsmiths. They're incredibly fast and nimble. Mm-hmm. And the authority is a key thing as well, isn't it? Because you've got, these are priests, you know, they're, they're important characters. And, but they're I being, is... and they're being absolute fucking idiots, yes. which is lovely. You and know. they're like children. You've got, you've got, you've got um, Ardlo Hanlon saying that he... 
Uh, he didn't want to stay up to watch a scary film and, and Father Ted saying to him, that wasn't a scary film. And he says, oh, come on, Ted, you know, a, a, a Volkswagen with its own mind. <laughs> it doesn't scarier than that. <laughs> He's watched Herbie and he shat himself. Volkswagen <laughs> <laughs> with the mind of its own. Oh, oh, joy of joys. Joyous is a thing, actually. Oh. I was going to say, when I was watching some of it back again for this, mm-hmm. I thought, okay, look, you just take it for granted that it is so fucking funny. Mm-hmm. But I was trying to pin what the other thing was and I thought I think it's the joy of it I think it's mm. the joyousness and yeah. then watching that documentary Ardlo Hanlon gives it the exact word he says giddiness yeah. and I went mm. yeah that's what it is it's so fucking joyous that your head is spinning what that's you, what's so great what you're watching it. is the, the first episode you watch and it's just it's got a great thing which it borrows from the young ones which is if you put these three walls up and put the cameras on the fourth wall mm-hmm. these people will just talk to each other and in the young ones it's got this sense of these voices are funny or you get actually lots of shows the voice of the characters is funny mm-hmm. it's not the accent it's the voice Yeah, and they talk in a funny way to each other you understand who the characters are straight away they introduce them brilliantly they, they wait for a five minutes before Mrs Doyle comes in so you've got established who the three yes. guys are and the next thing you think is I want to spend time with these people yeah. Yeah. I want to listen to them just talk to each other and because as a writer of- also if you know your character the audience will know their the character yes. and you also know what will happen is you know if you put a giant grizzly bear into the there'll be three different reactions by yes. three different characters to the grizzly bear in the sitting room and the audience won't be surprised by any of those yes. reactions they'll be delighted and that's the nicest thing as a writer like so er- earlier on I was saying in, in my show when I'm trying to write there's this one character and I don't have anyone in mind for it I don't have a person and I'm really struggling yeah. to write this person because I don't know who it is and I don't know like I could write loads of funny lines for them but I'd be sort of throwing it around and I don't know what would happen to use a metaphor if a grizzly bear come into the room I don't yeah. know how he'd react <laughs> I know how the other people would yes. but I don't know how he would react to the grizzly bear and I'm really struggling I'm, I'm looking around and meeting people trying to be like who what actor are you what series two is always easier than series one yeah. once you've cast it you don't realise that's very often yes, you and then you start writing for an actor brilliant but when you don't know the person it's really hard to write and that's what I mean like that Graeme maybe is trying to write a female character or whatever but when at the time maybe and I'm You're writing a real yeah, person who felt alive I can alive. literally text him and ask him but like he probably knew that idiot the woman and when you well, know there's, there's the a idiot whiff of, there's yeah. a whiff of, of mum in her I, mean, I remember watching Mrs yeah. Doyle and going I'm not Irish but my god she reminded me of my mum and my yeah, nan yeah, yeah. it's, it's that fussing and you will have a sandwich it doesn't matter whether your mum's from the east end or yeah. from they're, they're yeah. all the same uh, the thing that we always do when we're doing uh, uh, sitcom characters, and when you, what, the, the way you can tell that one of them isn't worked out is the grizzly bear test. Yeah, yeah. The, the two things we learn, one was you draw a grid of them mm-hmm. and you say, you check that all of them have a reaction to each other. Mm. Do they like them? Do they dislike them? And status as well. So what who's happens above, if someone comes lower? into the room? Who, who, like, who how does that change? Them? Do they like each other? And the other one, which someone told us this technique, is what's the worst thing you could say to this person? And that tells you loads about them. The worst thing you could say to Ted is that you're not important. Sorry, I'm actually going to get a notepad here just because I'm really struggling with this character and I'm, but yeah, it, I'm it'll learning, reveal, Joel. It'll reveal what's the, what's, who the, they what's are. the first thing? What's the worst? What's the worst thing you could say to this person? And it's like there's no more food or and you are not important. what's the other thing you said before oh, that? Draw a little grid. Uh, if it's three characters, three by three, and say who likes who, who doesn't like yeah. who. And just, even if it's just a ticker across, they get on or not, and you just double check it. Because very often you'll find if you've got an ensemble of more than three people, mm-hmm. you'll have forgotten one of the relationships. You'll have forgotten, does Father Jack like Mrs. Doyle? Yeah. There'll be one you haven't seen coming. And at some point, the grizzly bear will run in and you won't know how they react. And you just yes. have to double check this. Because if you're working in an office with people, 
you subliminally in your brain know these answers because mm-hmm. those are real people. But to turn your made up people, the big problem with writing anything is they've all got your voice to begin with. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And, Unless you sort of know someone. Can I just show you what yeah. I drew? Is that Was that your card? Yeah. yeah that's very yeah. good. Yes, yes. Yeah. Right. My, I think I've seen that in certain toilets. <laughs> my, my son saw, I drew a penis, ladies and gentlemen. My son I did saw one of those as, as a piece of graffiti this week and I said, oh dear, it's a willy. And he went, it's not, it's a nose. And I went, oh. I have to have a conversation with you to say that when you see that, oh. that is not a nose. And, and a bit of his a bit of his world died. Oh. <laughs> Wait, now, why do so many people draw all those noses all over those bathroom walls? Oh, no. Everyone got a cold in the toilet. What's going on? Comes out the top of the nose. It's oh, awful. But yeah, I think that that trick is that when you first write everybody, they've all got mm. your voice. It's the one of the big giveaways when, when a stand-up gets their first sitcom. Yeah. And one of the things I think the big advantage, you find this whenever you hear people who, say, worked in the Simpsons writer's room or whatever, is mm. that, or Cheers, or those big ensemble, yeah. big American things, there are loads of people, that there'll be someone who wrote Carla. There'll yeah. be someone who wrote Cliff, who really liked, who wrote Apple, that's who my liked mother, those characters. That's my sister, that's and it my meant friend. That when yeah. it went around the room and it all had the lead writer's voice, someone would say, mm-hmm. actually, I tell you what, uh, Frasier wouldn't say that. Yeah. Because they know Frasier. It can often be someone you know, or it can be that you've artificially created You know, created there's nothing someone. nicer. You know, when you were saying, like, going for a walk or something like that, that you, you don't... Um, it, it'll just fall in. So I'm yeah. sitting there trying to write and I could write two pages of this character, but actually it's not going to happen that way. I'll be in the pub and someone will come up to me and I'll just get a vibe from them. And I'm a like, phrase. you're them. A phrase or I'm like, I know you and you're the person. <laughs> like I, I had that recently for a, a girlfriend character in this um, show that was just this... Um, this lovely Welsh actress I know who's really funny and she was really drunk at Pride and she came up to me and she was just like really being just uh, just really funny but also really loving like great crap but also like you're, you're, you know you're a queen actually <laughs> you should wake up in the morning and think how much of a queen am I because you're such a queen and I love queens I just love people <laughs> who are queen. and if you don't know you're a queen and someone's not treating you like a queen then fuck up just fuck, <laughs> fuck do you know no honestly and she just wouldn't let me go and I'm like oh no I get you that's a lovely thing to say but I had to go to the loo but she wouldn't she's like no 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 you're not taking it on you're not taking how nice I'm what I'm saying to you on I'm trying to be nice to you and it's just it was so aggressively nice like no I can see no no don't don't leave now because I know you're getting uncomfortable you won't take compliment but I need you right now to take this compliment and I'm like oh no I really but I genuinely need I need a wee now I now know that character's joke because that's what it is like you you want to be around her until like pint four the worst way of working is to sit staring a, a screen and yes. not looking out the window and yeah. like, because eventually all you're writing about is yourself you end up mm-hmm. doing that what's that Viz did this once sort of pastiche of a, of a really bad column which is 10 things I can see from my desk <laughs> which is the worst version of where you've run out of ideas and you're just you yeah. someone who won't stand up yeah. and look around and you realise that where you get these ideas from is that eavesdropping in cafes eavesdropping in, yeah. on the bus make sure reading you're on 100 pages of a book about squids yeah yep. open, your, open your brain up the other one is we found the internet if you don't use the internet as a distraction to just read mm-hmm. about your friends saying six of the same thing over and over again on Facebook. Yeah. Actually use the internet when it used to have the whole world in it. Yeah. And we do this, we, we go on eavesdrop. to... Yeah. Eavesdrop. Eavesdrop. You can use the internet as a bus because there are people on it talking about stuff. Yeah. Go on to it's a very hard forum. to uh, cure your addiction 
to phones when you work in comedy yeah. because yeah. it is a little essential yeah. so Twitter is a good way of throwing out an idea and people replying to you and bantering Give especially when you're working on your own and like someone going back and forth for example Sharon recently tw- Sharon Horgan recently like tweet there's this um, thing that went round of like what's the most on brand you moment for you as a kid and this yes. woman tweeted oh, like God. Um, like I remember one time my mother looked at me and said don't touch that uh, stovetop that's hot and the kid looked her straight in the eye and put her hand straight down <laughs> on the thing and like looked her in the eyes like no way Psst, and burned her own hand yeah. just to defy her mother <laughs> and that was like she was like that's so a, a core person of me and Sharon then tweeted like she had a, something similar and then I tweeted like I remember one time I brought in a puppet to school and I uh, refused to speak through anything but the pu- my aunt had brought back this puppet from America and I refused to do anything but speak and I was about seven to speak through the uh, puppet the whole time in school and the puppet would answer the maths questions and the puppet was actually a hard worker so she didn't have a bad heart but obviously it was tough for the teacher but the teacher did love me and knew I wasn't trying to create malice but it really distracted everyone in the class obviously because Jenny was talking all the time but Jenny still did her homework so Jenny wasn't a bad girl and then at some point the teacher had to say can Jenny only come in on Fridays because Jenny is so clever Jenny doesn't need to come in every day and then Jenny didn't come oh, back that's brilliant but yeah, and it was so it? it was like me wanting to make people laugh but being annoying but the person could see my heart was in the right place <laughs> it sparks ideas in little moments but then how do you get off your phone because when you're distracted and you're getting your dopamine hit from a phone you're like is this work maybe I'll come across a little unicorn but actually it's just three hours of looking at ethical outfits it's too distracting because very often as well one Mm -hmm. of the things you forget is that when the internet first came out it had all the world on it the big exciting was oh there could be I could go look and see what's going on in Israel and actually what everyone's ended up doing is just looking at the little village Yes, and you know the hundred people in your village quite well Mm -hmm. they're they're very rarely going to surprise you with a new character note you're better off going on to the uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers fan forum and typing in washing machine yes. and finding out how Wolves fans deal with their washing yeah, machine problems. how they review them. You'll hear a new voice there. Mm. And I think what you're looking for is a voice that feels real mm. because people can tell when characters haven't come from a real place, they feel yes. fake. And the amazing thing about Ted, I think, as an example of that, is that these are four cartoon characters mm-hmm. surrounded by other cartoon characters and none of them feel fake. Yeah. They feel like people they knew. And I think that's why Irish people loved them because they were like, I know that priest. Yeah. Or I know that mm. nun or that sort of guy. Or even like when it was... Um, They're exaggerated. You know, the They're... bad priest next door. He was a teenage guy who was like trying to distract you. For the demo. For the demo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dougal, aren't you uh, going to introduce me to your friend? Oh, this is uh, Father Demo. Hello, Father. Playing the old computer game there. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Father Ted Crilly speaking. Yes, yes, I'll tell him. Uh, Father Damien, uh, Father Frost says you're to go home. Your tea is ready. Well, time to feck off then. <laughs> He's happy enough here for the moment, Father. And you just know exactly what that bold, or like that well, naughty boy in the they're class. Really, they're like Mr. Men. They're all, they're all like little, they've got little <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. My, my favourite one, which I quote all the time, which, which is, I've had my fun. And I drove it into a big wall. If you don't like it, tough. 
I had my fun and that's all that matters. I went out with someone like that as well. I've had my fun and that's all that matters. <laughs> but Honestly. You, what you've got there is is almost archetypes, almost like tarot cards. Mm. They're representatives of archetypes, of, of bad things about humans. Character They're traits, all really, yeah. really, really real. And I yeah. think that what people forget when they, they write one of these things, they go, I'll write a Graham and R3 sitcom. It mm-hmm. won't be about a family living in, in Leeds. Mm-hmm. It'll be a big cartoon thing about some people who run a lighthouse. Yeah. And they forget that, no, everyone in this is really real. There's not a moment where Ted isn't completely Ted, where Dougal isn't completely Dougal. There's a great thing. You watch outtakes and Ardlo Hanlon won't break character because mm. if he stops being Dougal for a second, but also he can't go back to that place. He's got to be in that beautiful, yeah. naive, innocent blankness. Mm-hmm. Dermot is being a stand-up. Yeah. Uh, Graham yeah. said he, he was yeah. sitting in the green room and he could never hear the, the warm-up guy covering for, for fluffs because Dermot would turn to a stand-up persona, keep the audience entertained. Yeah. But Ardle is sitting there quietly and still because he's in character like De Niro. He's yeah. deeply... Dougal's real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's what I loved about Father Ted. I look back and like I was saying that not just an idiot, but there's a meanness and a bad quality to all of them. Like even Dougal, it's some bad qualities. And I love that 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 moment where I wasn't allowed be ripped the piss out of on the panel show. All of the women have bad quality. They're allowed to be knobheads. They're allowed to be people you dislike and vain. And I think often sometimes people are afraid to make women knobheads. Like they don't have to be nice people. Yeah. You look in their eyes and you go, I know what that person wants. And if that person doesn't want anything, yeah. which is how a lot of female characters are written mm-hmm. they don't want anything they just yeah. want they want the boy to stop yeah or or for things to be nice again for yeah. things to be nice <laughs> guys Tidy. guys could we all just not make the situation nice again fuck all I like you don't want the situation <laughs> to be nice again sometimes you want it to be bad so you get attention or or like for everyone to look at you or for him to feel punished for the way he's behaved you're or, losing a joke or that you're the losing all these potential it. jokes you know because Mrs Doyle doesn't technically want everyone to feel Feel nice. She wants to feel in control. When she, she wants destroys to control that tea everything. making machine, yeah, that thing where she goes in in the middle of the night, it's like Mission Impossible yeah. to destroy, destroy the, the thing machine. that would. Yeah. You realise that it gives Threatens her reason, her, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's a brilliant moment, and it's it's the worst film poster of all time because I never saw the film. Was a film called Grown Ups, mm. and the film poster was a bunch of men going down a water flume in in hoops, yeah. and their four girlfriends with their arms crossed, rolling I, their eyes. It and I looked makes at them, me so that's sad. That's literally hell. That's the worst writing room that's ever on earth. happened. And also in those situations, you're like, oh God, I get to be, because I audition for them all the time, especially <laughs> in America. And I'm like, oh, but I'd get to be in a big movie and then maybe that would allow you. But you're like, let me change it for you. Honestly, if you, you don't worry. If I come in and make a joke, it's not going to take away the joke from someone else. There's like this idea that there's a limited amount of space. <laughs> like people have game. with like immigration, that there's a limited amount of space or services for people where there isn't actually, because the more people who come in, the more tax that gets paid, you make more and everyone, there'll be, there, there's enough for everyone. But yep. there's this idea that there's a limited amount of space for funny. It's like when men think they have to go out with someone who's not funny. As if like, but if she's funny, what will I do? You're like, you'll both laugh. You will both have a laugh. Everyone will get a laugh. There is not a limited amount of space in the scene. Every, there, you're not, there, it's not water. It's not oil. It's not going to run out it's of air. It's a finite laughing it's, resource. It, there isn't it's a finite laughing resource. It's not Mrs. Doyle and her team machine. It's not yeah, thre- exactly. It's not, that doesn't take Mrs. away Doyle. space from her. Dermot gets to have a reaction to the tea machine, which will be funny. Everyone gets to do something. That's is the that biggest. Sure if there's you- any comedy writers, old or young, listening in, 
God damn it. Stop making like, oh, guys. You don't need to make guys. space for the jokes. Yeah, you don't. That, women are not there to make space for laughter for men's lines. I read a bit of one of them once. God, I couldn't finish it. The language. Unbelievable. <laughs> Feck this and feck that. Yes, Mrs. Doyle. You big bastard. Oh, dreadful language. You big hairy arse. You big fecker. Fierce stuff. Oh, I don't know why they have to use language like that. I stick this effing pitchfork up your hole. Oh, that was another one. Oh, yes. I see what you mean, Mrs. Doyle. Bastard this and bastard that. You can't move for the bastards in her novels. It's one to all bastards. Is it, Mrs. Doyle? You bastard, anyway. You fecker. You bollocks! Get your bollocks out of my face! Just... <laughs> yes, you, you just go and prepare for the nuns. Ride me sideways is another one. <laughs> You've got a character here who has no dialogue almost. And yeah. even he, yeah, yeah. Man, which is a classic rookie writer's mistake. We've all done this. We really find if one of them was silent. Oh, you, my God. You better I know, make yeah. sure that guy's a really good clown. Yeah. And you better write you better some... mime shit in the background. And yeah. weirdly, the, at the beginning, I think, what, first two episodes Giving of Giving a line see, to a see... lady like, guys, <laughs> is a version of silence. Yes. Mm. You may as well mm-hmm. be making them silent. Spot on. And Spot not on. being saying anything. Well, you've got Father Jack in the middle of it, who is a, a uh, he's almost a prop. At yeah. the beginning. But I think in the first couple of episodes, you learn about his backstory. Yes. There is an example Flashbacks. of silence done perfectly yep. because he's very loud. And the joke is for someone who's silent all the time, he's so loud <laughs> and makeup and hair and costume. It's the loudest silence you've ever seen. And then he's like, like he's you dominant. Know. The whole house yes, revolves exactly around, right him. around him. So there's a loudness to his silence yeah. that's on purpose. And he's treated like a brilliant flourish, isn't he? Because yeah. a lot of what he says is just feck or arse mm-hmm. or girls or whatever. But every now and then he does something like how did that gobshite get on television yeah, yeah, <laughs> or he yeah, does that yeah, amazing yeah. thing in the last yeah, episode where they, where they cross fade to him and he's singing I'll be seeing you <laughs> in Apple sometime whoa you've yeah. given him all the guitar solos yeah. it's brilliant and again the darkness of it as well which I think is Ireland has very rarely produced successful sitcoms and the big thing is that most of us go to England where we're free to make jokes about ourselves that then sell back home. So if you look at even like Sharon and Catastrophe, yeah. there's no, like even Brendan O'Carroll. Brendan, uh, whatever your view is on Mrs. Burns Boys, that is a well-honed character. He's yes. been doing that since I was a kid. Yeah. And he yeah. plays to stadiums and that is a form of comedy that is a craft and it's really well-crafted whether you like it or not. Mm. And he, again, that was kind of commissioned by the BBC over here. Brendan has been doing that character for probably all my lifetime. So 15 yeah. years. Um, <laughs> And he has been doing that and it's so well crafted but again England took it on and made it and so there's something about coming over here and allowing us to make a sitcom and the danger on darkness of Father Ted like Jack is an alcoholic Yes, he yeah. has a deeply and he's still getting paid for by the state to be a head of a religious order and in the he's flashback a, you yeah. see of him is a girls school asking him to take their netball tops off yeah, he's, yeah he is a dark is character and, unpleasant. and it's supposed to be creepy he's not being fun like that no, it's, that it's still not, it's stands the test of time now you're not looking back at it going oh that was okay Okay. No, it's not. It's still it's meant to be meant creepy. To be creepy. He's a bad priest. Yeah. <laughs> Look at him, dreaming of past glories, no doubt. Girls, pay attention. We've got a special treat today. Father Packet has very kindly volunteered to take an all for volleyball practice. Oh, right, Father. And he's just reminded me that it's very warm today, so there'll be no need for your tracksuit tops. <laughs> 
and even the idea of uh, Ted with his gambling addiction or the stuff in Ireland <laughs> yeah, about marriage or, account, yeah. or murder but there's, the mur- there's lo- the city these yeah. are disgraced priests yeah disgraced I mean, Graham saying that in the height of the, the Catholic uh, church scandal yeah. he said I think I'd have trouble making right, light yeah, no. of this yeah, now no. because, because of the anger and sadness but I yeah. think the anger and sadness is in it all the way through I think there's it's no it's like question. we all knew but we didn't know how bad it was that sort of yeah. thing so he made it just I think it was all the stars lining up even the timing of when he made it because I also think that something like Father Ted and how popular it was in Ireland was in the same way comedy can do this piercing the, the first little prick yeah. in the balloon and this is how beautiful comedy is and it can do this that they're everything that they cannot be knocked off a pedestal yes. there's some things you can't joke about and one of them is a church no you can and once you see them as fallible and once you see them as people and silliness the silliness and you're going God what are, are we why are we bowing down to this then all of a sudden you think, oh, we don't have to. Maybe I don't have to do all these things. It's that same. Yeah. It's that same thing. And I think Father Ted culturally in Ireland had a huge effect on being part of the movement. I remember making an abortion joke in Ireland three years ago that killed in England when I did it. And when I went home, people were like, oh, and I started doing it recently really? just before the referendum and it was a totally different reaction I'm mean, like wow. only three wow. years Changed so I really brought her about it around I brought her about the um, results yeah. with my joke well, no, I'm only joking congratulations. but the difference that you pierce through with when subjects come through in comedy in that you give a little punch and then all of a sudden everything falls apart and people can start seeing where the truth is almost and I think Father Ted was a big part of that no one was doing anything like it the dangerous thing I suppose if you set yourselves up as more than human is do something as warm as Father Ted, which humanises mm. people who set themselves up to be more than human. I was joking once saying that, that, that one of the things that all religions have got in common, the reason you can tell they're patriarchies, is the first thing you do in most religions is do something to the top of your head where there's male pattern mm. baldness. You either put a hat on there or shave it off. Because at some point, someone who said, hello, I'm the most important person in your village, bent over and everyone went, ha ha, you've got a bald, bald head. head. Well, what we'll do is we'll insist everyone wears hats. The women should cover their heads as well. Why? Because otherwise, so God wants it. I'll get a and, boner from their hair so put yeah, it on cover yeah. it up make sure everything's covered up why is it because you lose your hair As, no 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 it's fine and once you realise these people are human and vain and mm. fallible weirdly it makes them nicer and more lovable and you love them but also yeah. it makes it harder for them to go I have authority that means I'm not yeah. subject to the same human laws as you Infallible. are while we're, while we're on vulnerability can I ruin the atmosphere <laughs> oh please Jason you've been doing it uh, been, been since I've known you so why stinking the place up having a lifetime can we talk about Dermot Morgan because mm-hmm. the uh, this really fucking upset me today when I was just looking back at the old Father Ted clips. Mm. He was 45 when he died. Yeah. I'm Tragic. older than he ever lived to be and that really got to me. It, like knowing now Pauline and knowing Ardle and knowing Graeme, like my heroes from growing up, like truly influential people on me, my performing, my career, everything. I would have loved to have met Victoria Wood oh, yeah. and Dermot oh, Morgan God, yes. are two people I would really have loved to have met. Yeah. Yeah, I know their kids I think are maybe in their 20s now they're very proud of him and talk a lot about him and stuff like that too right um, yeah that's I read this one of the story which I didn't know which is Declan Lowney who directed it yes brilliantly directed the 1988 Eurovision Song Contest oh really and also did My Lovely Horse Declan Lowney who directed this uh, his little boy is called he's not a little boy he'll be a grown man now he's called Ted oh really because his, his wife was pregnant they found out the day after the day oh. before, the day after Dermot Morgan died. So he named wow. it. And you go, that is someone who's made an impression on people he worked yeah. with to the extent they want him to, to want to mark yeah. him. He's yeah. clearly yeah. a man who was so loved. 
I mean, mm. not just by viewers, but by everyone yeah. who works with it. When everything's going okay, I keep imagining all the terrible things that can happen. And now that one of those things has actually happened, it's just a rush. I feel fearless, like Jeff Bridges in that movie. I haven't seen that one. Not many people have, Dougal. It's probably a bad reference. Anyway. <laughs> Let's go. Obviously, we've said the three things that Graham says it it was meant to echo, which is Blackadder, The Young yes. Ones, and uh, 42 Towers, high bars in, in sitcom. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing it reminds me of, because it does lots of cutaways, is The Simpsons. It's a cartoon. Yes. Mm. They, there's not, they, they will spend the money on props and stunts for Ted to go through a window for Mrs. Doyle to fall yeah. off things. They, they've got these things because mainly it's three walls and people mm-hmm. just talking, which is quite mm-hmm. cheap. You can then say, we're going to have Dougal's funeral and the uh, hearse is going to explode yeah. or there'll be a helicopter shot. They can spend money on those things. So you can do cutaways like The Simpsons. It's got a, yeah. a cartoonish thing. So you've got these guys in the middle of it who are cartoon characters, which is why I think, again, you can say quite savage, weird things because they don't feel quite real. They're heightened, but at the same time, everyone in it's so full of heart and so warm that they are real characters. And Mm. Jeffrey Perkins said this that that it would be loved. And it it was when Neil Hannon wrote the music for it, Mm -hmm. and he submitted two pieces of music. One of which was a whistly song that he'd eventually use on Casanova to be "Woman of the World." And Graham and Arthur said, we'll use that one because it sounds like a ding dong, ding dong, Terry and June. Yeah, yeah. This is a sitcom, we're going to take the piss. A bit student prank. A sketch, like a, a Henemore kind of Toby yeah. Davis sketch. And Jeffrey Perkins said, no, use the other one, the romantic sweeping one. Yeah. He said, because people are going to love these characters. Sweep us in. Sweep mm. us in across that shot. And apparently, I, I spoke to Darren Allison, who's a friend who produced the music, and I said, tell us stories of this. And he said, oh, they sent us some silent video of that opening shot, mm-hmm. and we wrote the music over it. And he said, the great thing ding, is, ding, it, was, ding, it was recorded in the ding, Jesus ding, and Mary Chains studio on the Jesus and Mary Chains guitars, which Whoa. is the most unlikely thing, because that's the studio that Darren could get. Uh, and they, they put this thing together and made the sweeping piece of music, which is full of heart and full of love and romance mm-hmm. and just oh, draws you in and, and makes, it, makes it warm. They, they did that. And he said, it took about five hours to put down that theme music. And it took about 20 times as long to make My Lovely Horse. <laughs> I, love, I love the idea that the bad yeah. song took so much longer. It's hard. I remember uh, watching an interview with Uma Thurman about trying to bad dance in Pulp Fiction. And she's like, it's really hard to do bad dancing. And what they had to do was think of a song, say if the end song was going to be, say, four over four in terms yeah. of beats. They had to dance in their minds to a song that was three over four. <laughs> so, so they would be it. in yeah. their... And so they would be out of sync with what was happening. Actually, but- the warmth of the SIG tune as well and the characters is uh, is brilliant. I mean, God, Jeffrey Perkins made so many good decisions on this thing. Ditto Declan Lowney. Mm-hmm. But um, the warmth of all that stuff is needed because when you look at the programme, every, all the exterior stuff, they're fucking freezing, it's aren't they? Wet. It's so yeah, cold yeah. and yeah. wet and awful out yeah. there. It's Quite the- deliberately, they shot the exteriors in November so that it would just really? be as hostile as possible. And the house looks terrible, Is you know. When, when yeah. they're with Michael Redmond as Father Stone playing crazy golf on that windmill that falls over and they've obviously pl- they've trained hoses on them. To yeah. make them as yeah. You don't need to do that in Ireland. Sure. <laughs> There's the bit where they get 
it feels <laughs> craggy. Everything about it feels craggy. Craggy, it's a perfect craggy, name, craggy. isn't it? Yeah. Craggy Island. Craggy perfect. Island, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just feels so craggy. Well, the, the opening episode where they've got the, the, the fairs arrived. Yeah. And it's basically Dougal wants to go to the fair. And it's like the main <laughs> attraction is a crane yeah. with a park bench. <laughs> <laughs> that's honestly. So funny. But it's also not that. It's, it's so that. I remember going to St. Patrick's Day Parade in uh, a small town in Leash where my granddad was from and one of the displays coming through was an army tank with children sat on top of it and we were asked if we wanted to go and sit and uh, oh yeah and some of my cousins were sitting on it and then someone else in a jeep going driving down a place they would have been driving anyways and we were like yeah happy St. Patrick's Day Woo! no this is a parade this is not just tra- a traffic jam this is actually a parade it looks like uh, a traffic jam but the difference is we're telling you it's a parade producer and the director and the writers so Graham and Arthur and Declan and everyone and guy, everyone who's come together and the cast these things are like when a great band comes together yeah, because everyone's yeah. on the same page yeah. and playing from the same sheet and everyone's doing the same thing there's nothing worse I remember doing a movie in Ireland before and the dire- writer of the script was a very quick smart person and wrote a great script and the director was a really great director but loved soft indie movies right. and he was in charge of this quick-witted script and we were all kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place and that two different things were happening at the same time and so he loved soft shots and made it very romantic yeah. but then the and changed a lot of the lines so like let's improv around the scene but a lot of the move the basis of the movie was snap 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 yeah and it was a very it was hard because drummer. i'm like oh i see both of you <laughs> yeah but you're a really good drummer for a different band yeah and on yeah. this everyone's there it's the, the right chemistry for the band has come together you, re- you read it in reviews a lot and people will go oh it's uh oh i've worked out what's wrong with this it's a terrible script and you go god in the hands of another director yeah. different actor this script yeah, would have flown yep, 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 yep. and in audience is reading the screen constantly and they're going mm-hmm. am I in safe hands does this cast look like they think it's funny mm-hmm. does everyone have faith in the in the project mm-hmm. is everyone in the same rhythm is the band yeah. good and one person getting it wrong you watch it and you don't understand where I you're remember laughing. thinking that it is honestly like it chemistry if you boil it down it's why people like watching First Dates the TV show First Dates <laughs> yeah. I remember what it. I, I love that show and I remember it's watching show. it's a great show I remember on one of the episodes they put this guy in and he was like a, he had these like Spanish sort of accent and he came in and he was like oh my god I love beautiful black girls that's my <laughs> thing that I love and he met this girl who was just a really serious PE teacher and the more and more she didn't react to him the crazier he seemed so like no honestly your figure your beautiful figure oh my god and she go oh, I found that very offensive and he's like oh I'm so sorry I didn't mean to you know yeah he's crazy I don't like him <laughs> and then and you he did seem you're like oh my god he's been put in as a sort yeah, of like stunt um, yeah, casting. stunt casting I'm like oh god and then two weeks later he's back in the first dates restaurant and he comes in and there's this other girl there and she fits the same physique and she's a voluptuous black woman and he's like oh my god I love your figure you're beautiful and she just went <laughs> and she just laughed and suddenly 
he was funny because she got him. Yeah. But he didn't seem bad in comparison yes. when he was with the right person. You, Even if you need, in a relationship, you have to find someone who finds your madness lovely. Someone yeah. else might find it disgusting, but to that person, like even Quasimodo deserves to be with someone who's like, do you know what? You are such a good bell ringer. <laughs> and that is like my main thing about you. I cannot see past how good at bells you are ringing. He's like, thank you. But I, I, you know, rather than being like, oh, you're back. And weirdly, when you're talking about the chemistry in a date and the chemistry within a sitcom team or a, a TV team, if everyone in the room likes each other mm. and everyone's getting on and you can see it when you're watching, weirdly, they're all character witnesses for each other and yes. you get the feeling you're going, oh, probably this is, it's like eavesdropping on a conversation around a pub where everyone's laughing. Yeah. If you sit down and think they're all dicks, you won't laugh along with them. But if they all mm. appear to be enjoying their, each other's company, you might sit near them and listen in and, yeah. and they're all vouching for each other that this is funny. Yes. And yeah. with something as delicate as whimsy, which is what Father Ted's got, sort of mm-hmm. Flan O'Brien-y whimsy to mm-hmm. it, whimsy needs the confidence that uh, Bob Mortimer's face gives Vic Reeves' performance. Yeah. He believes this guy's funny. So maybe him. I was talking to the producer funny. recently of Vic and Bob, and she was like, "Most of me generally is going, yes, okay, Bob, we can get an apple that looks like a horse." <laughs> Two of the guys together, like Jim and Vic, like Bob, they just have each other's backs so much. Yeah. I've never seen anything yes. like it. And again, that sort of magic of meeting your soulmate in some way. I, I kind of think it about the two of you as well. If you meet that person that you're like, oh, we could do things separately, but imagine we found each other. It is like a life wife in a man in many ways. It's it's <laughs> it, it's such a magical thing to come across if you can find your work or the person who gets that. I have I have a, a version of that with my friend Brona C. Titley, who's a comedy writer, and she like when I was doing my Netflix special, she came out to Atlanta with me. And even though we don't often always write together, she was on eight out of ten cats with me as my head writer. She's an amazing comedy writer, actress, performer. Yeah. But just we are we get each other if there's something wrong in my bit she'll go I see where you are and you're still coming across as a star don't get me wrong but let's just change this bit yeah. it's a lot of chance it's a lot of magic and chance and it's the thing that rom-coms are sort of made of but it's a yeah, lovely thing when it happens thing you can't manifest. You, yeah you, like you, you two guys meeting when you did so young and just having the same like yeah you're like me I like that too and being able to work with each other and as many things as you do I was shocked to hear Graham and Arthur talk um, there's, a, there's a very nice uh, you can still listen to them they're all on um, the player uh, a thing called Chain Reaction that mm-hmm. uh, was on oh, Radio 4 yeah, yeah, yeah. and there's a really nice one where Adam Buxton and Graham Linehan talk about talk to interview each other mm-hmm. uh, and they talk those are two people I think of as having a comedy wife as in Adam Buxton with Joe Cornish yeah. and, and, and Graham, Graham with, Arthur. with Arthur during those formative years and they both talk about how prickly those relationships are and that they, I mean, Graham outgrew his relationship with Arthur mm. frighteningly quickly and possibly too quickly because they work so well together. It's a shame. Well, they there's working other. on a project together really well. Yeah. And then there's something like, oh, life is easier with you in my life. Yes. It's, it's very different. So not just working on a project together. Yes, Two actors totally. can have amazing chemistry because of the characters that have been written. That doesn't mean they should be in everything together. Yes, very so, true. Yeah. So that's very different. Like Graham they, and Arthur made Father Ted amazing. And that's a project that they need needed each other for yeah. but then they didn't need each other going through or That's the it phrase Graham used Graham said I yeah. suddenly realised I didn't need him anymore or, or it could, wasn't easier confidence. yeah exactly it didn't make the workplace lovelier whereas I will always have Brown in my life and Brown will of me whether at some point we write a show together that would be I often think with Brona um, if I have a show with her, we'd probably both die happy if it went successfully because I'm like, oh God, imagine if we just had this. That wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. If you two guys had just a show together where you just came into the office and wrote it, every, which is kind yeah. of your life in many ways, 
it wouldn't be the worst way to spend a life. No. Like that would be a version of success because your soul is full, uh, full as well. But just because you have one good project together, that's not the test. Yes. It's the test is over the years and the decades. You come back to each other because you know this. it's right and it's easier. But one of the things that you find when you're, when you're working in collaboration with anybody is you look at them and go, well, if they're still here, yeah, I can't be that bad. Yes, exactly. Because you, you can leave at any point. And, yeah. at point, and, and that, you don't want is, to. Maybe I'm not awful. Yeah, because very often you think you are awful, especially if you're not doing the work's mm-hmm. shit and you're not producing stuff. Mm-hmm. And A, it's someone, God, A, it's someone to, to just put pressure on you to yeah. go, come on, finish. Yeah. Come on, because I'm finishing. And there's a little bit of competition. But what you want is support rather than competition. And the thing that you can see in good projects like Father mm-hmm. Ted is that everyone's working to support each other. Everyone's got each other's backs. And you're a you're a team. You're some. You're a I do a think those things are like the chemistry of a band, and that's why a lot of bands fall apart because eventually they want different things. Yeah. But yeah. then there's a difference of like a relationship, a long term, which I one. think a long term relationship, like what it's again, different. what I say, you guys have, and I have with my friend Brona, is that 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 is that's not like a sitcom coming together. That's more like a marriage. Yeah. And that is beyond friendship. I do like we like Brona. Sometimes people are like, oh, you're friends with Brona. And I'm like, no, 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 that's that's insulting. Yeah. She's my soulmate. <laughs> and like I, I genuinely I was like, I don't know how to describe to you that she's my soulmate. Like in her wedding yeah. speech to her wife, she um, she had to reference me. Yeah. I was like, it could have been me. What a <laughs> bloody loving. Hey, what the hell? Brilliant. Ashing B, thank you so much. Uh, thank you, guys. Thank you.